On today's Locked on Jayhawks, Kansas wins the battle of the last two national champions. Top five showdown. They come away with the 69-65 victory. Vegas always knows. We're recapping the game on this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on our YouTube page. Thank you to the everydayers tuning in to each and every show. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're recapping Kansas-UConn. Jayhawks victorious 69-65 to in a top five showdown. We'll go through the game, the overview, go to the game, what's next for KU, and uh, a little bit on an ode to a great season for the KU volleyball team to finish up. We are brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Kansas 69, Connecticut 65. Jayhawks entered in number five. Connecticut entered in in number four uh, by Ken Palm. Kansas entered in at number seven and Connecticut entered in at number three. Um, oddly enough, the Jayhawks have actually dropped with some other uh, teams around them, but it's, you know, whatever. The, the offense has gone up. The defense is basically the same. They're, they're still one of the best teams in the country. And that's what this win indicated. I think UConn is one of the best teams in the country. And so uh, you winning the game is indicative that you too are one of the best teams in the country. And it's not like we didn't know that. They're preseason number one. But I kind of thought if you lost this game, maybe there was going to be thoughts of, okay, Kansas is still a top 10 team if you lose this game, but maybe they're on the second tier of the title contenders. You win this game, it feels still in that top tier of title contenders. Maybe that's overreacting to a random game in December, but I don't know. Maybe that's how it would have felt, especially on the cusp of the Eastern Illinois game, which we said at the time, if you win this game, that erases that. Doesn't it feel like the Eastern Illinois game was erased? Who cares what happened in that one, right? So an excellent start for Kansas. They got off hot. They were shooting threes. UConn was shooting a bunch of threes. They were just on higher volume. You were doing it more efficiently on lower volume. And you got up 38-26, like two minutes to go in the first half. And it was like, man, Kansas is dominating this game. I think Dan Hurley said in the post game, the crowd got into it and you know kind of got them on their heels. Uh, Bill Self said afterwards that was one of the best environments it has ever been in Allen Fieldhouse. So, you know, shout out to the fans who are in attendance and the students for making that a thing. Obviously, Allen Fieldhouse is always great. And in the, in the uh, you know, crowd in the attendance and the people making noise are always great. The environment's always great. But uh, it was another level in that game and in times that sometimes we see like when they're playing Missouri or, you know, some of these other big conferences non-conference matchups so uh, an excellent start they finished the half strong to tighten it up and then you kind of waned a little bit there was a moment there where I think you had like 12 points over 14 minutes of game time between the end of the first half and the start of the second half and they took advantage right I mean uh, Tristan Newton was unbelievable in this game it would have still had you in front by the lead if you would have been executing more offensively but you weren't making shots they were getting offensive rebounds and then you hit that big run at the end. Did did Ted Lasso, did Jason Sudeikis give some sort of words of encouragement at the under eight timeout or something? Uh, Kevin McCuller came back to Kansas and boy, did he come up clutch. There's You can do this all the time with every sports team. And, and also there's, you know, we, we never look at it as well. If you didn't get this player, what else would you have done? Where would have been the ripple effect? What would you have done in the transfer portal or picking up other? But 
what would Kansas have done if Kevin McCuller didn't come back for another year at school? You know what I mean? Like, where would they be right now? And he has been unbelievable so far this season. Um, he puts up 21 points in this game, and he hits those big threes. And, I mean, he was he was also taking on the challenge at different times through the game, having to guard Tristan Newton. Now, KU was switching a lot, as they normally do, so it wasn't always on him. But that tires you out on both ends. And, uh, you know, he was – he was so impactful in this game and hit some of the biggest shots of the game. Uh, and honestly, like I'd imagine there were a good amount of NBA scouts either there or watching the game because you have a lot of you know NBA players on Connecticut and players possibly on Kansas. And I've seen Kevin McCuller even you know be a late first round pick and some updated mock drafts. Uh, that game probably got a lot of attention for him to go three of four from three and hit some of the big shots he did, especially the one over Johnson coming at him in the corner and he's able to get the high arcer in for three. That is so big for him personally in his potential NBA draft stuff. So I feel great for him. So cool for KJ Adams, man. Uh, we're going to get to our goats of the game. We'll talk more about KJ and Kevin McCuller, but uh, the story that KJ just had to go through with his mom passing away. And I think he's going to the funeral tomorrow in Austin. Like so, so cool for him to, to do what he did in closing out the game with the free throws and just to have an excellent all around game in general. And uh, I, I thought it was very interesting because, you look at the Connecticut team last year that won the national title. Andre Jackson was one of their key pieces. And they went through a transition period with Jackson where at the beginning it was great. Then in conference play, teams started basically um, – he wasn't like a big shooter, but he had a good feel for the game. He was a good defender. He was a good passer. He was a good rebounder. He was a good cutter. He could hit a little push shot in the lane. Uh, and they took advantage of that eventually, but it took some time to, to figure out when other teams started guarding him that way. I think there are some similarities between, you know, KJ Adams and Andre Jackson. A lot of different, you know, Andre Jackson, more of a ball handler, point guard type. But I, I thought that was kind of interesting that he had that big game against Connecticut, who had him kind of a similar role. And Dan Hurley, very complimentative uh, or complimentary, I guess would be the right word, of uh, KJ Adams in the postgame. Uh, now there's a real chance because now Kansas has wins over Tennessee, Connecticut, and UConn. There's a real chance one of those three teams end up being like a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. And the other two, maybe two, three, four seeds, right? So like, these are big wins that could move you up in line. These are big wins that could keep you in front of somebody in a tiebreaker scenario. These are big wins that tack on your quad one wins and everything like that. So big deal for Kansas to win this game, even though it is in December. And, you know, what's funny is, like, honestly, outside of the three-point shooting, because KU went bonkers from three, nine of 14 from three, not high volume, but insane efficiency. Kansas did a lot of things well and not well that they normally do. Now it wasn't everything, uh, but normally Kansas goes into the game and they have the, the advantage on, on two point shooting in this game. It was less pronounced. It was like 44% to like 42% or something like that. But you still had it against a team in Yukon who came in and typically that's been their calling card. They've been the dominant two point shooting team. So you still had a slight advantage there. We're used to seeing that with Kansas. Uh, um, you still were a team who's good at passing. Like it wasn't one of KU's insane assist total numbers. I think it was 13 for the game, but like they're still moving the ball well and getting, you know, good looks, whether they made them or not. And they did some things poorly that we're used to seeing them do poorly so far early in this season, right? You missed some key free throws, even though you came up clutch at the end, you didn't force turnovers in this game. I think UConn had like eight turnovers or something like that. So there were certain things that were very indicative of what you've just kind of been all season, but it feels a lot better when those sorts of things happen and you win the game. And it feels even better when your win is against a top five opponent. I'll say this too. Even though you held that slight edge on two-point shooting, they did stifle you more than anyone else. 
I mean, maybe Marquette, but that, that was kind of a different thing. Um, UConn is, is a really good shot blocking team and two point defense team. They stifled you more than anyone else. And, and most teams can not a lot of other teams have a Donovan Kling and a seven, three center who could be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. And I think that's impressive too. You showed that against an elite opponent who can take away your main offensive strength. I don't know. Maybe you'd say the passing is the main offensive strength. Maybe you'd say it's two point offense, but one of your main offensive strengths, they, they, they mitigated it. They made it less of a strength and more of just a thing that you edged them out in, you still found a way to win. And that's the good sign. And that's the crux of this all. And I think this win for Kansas, Kansas has some flaws. Like every team in the country does. You showed in this game that you can beat elite opponents, even with some of your flaws and having something taken away. One of your strengths was kind of taken away. Some of your flaws still showed up in this game. This was not Kansas just playing a perfect game and edging out a win. Like Again, they didn't force turnovers, and you had some rebounding stuff, and like some of that stuff will happen. You still beat an elite opponent. Now, did 9 of 14 from 3, did no Stephon Castle for UConn, did, did some of that stuff help mask some of that? Yeah, you bet it did. Did it help to be in front of that Rocky Allen Fieldhouse crowd instead of on a neutral court at UConn? Yeah, of course it did. But also UConn got a bananas game from Tristan Newton, uh, KU is still figuring stuff out. You basically played a six man rotation in this one. Like ideally you'd like to think, okay, maybe, you know, maybe our seventh guy, maybe our eighth guy, maybe even our fifth and sixth guy who were part of that six man rotation are going to be much better players come a month from now, come two months from now, you take the win and you feel validated. You are seven and one with wins over Connecticut, Kentucky, Tennessee, and your only loss is to a top three or top five Marquette team. Things are pretty good in Lawrence. And oh, by the way, Jason Sudeikis and Sue Bird were there. So, uh, you know, pop culture capital in addition to uh, um, the the basketball excellence uh, from what we saw against UConn. All right, we're going to take a quick break in the action, get to our goats of the game. Good goats, bad goats coming up here with Locked on Jayhawks. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can get in on the Texas-Oklahoma State Big 12 Championship game. You can get on any of the other championship games. You can get on NFL on Sunday with the Chiefs-Packers game coming on Sunday Night Football. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. There's a bunch of boosts on there, too. And kick off the NFL season, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Our goats of the game, we'll get to our good goats, then our bad goats. So, uh, again, if you're new to this segment, Good goats, greatest of all time. That's kind of the new age way to say it. When I was growing up, goat was a bad thing. You were kind of the scapegoat of something bad that happened. So the good goats here, we're going to start with KJ Adams. 18 points. That was second on Kansas in a game where Dwan Harris uh, struggled shooting the ball. He hit the early three, but he finished, I think, one of seven. Um, to be clear, I don't have Dwan in, in either of these. I thought Dwan was fine. The shooting wasn't great, but he was still, I don't know, calm, reliable as a passer and, you know, uh, did some stuff good defensively. Tristan Newton made some of it go for not when he was on him. Sometimes he was, sometimes he wasn't, but that's a story for later in this episode. Um, KJ Adams, 18 points on six of 10 from the floor. We saw him hitting that push shot. He's gotten actually pretty good at that, like little 10 to 12, the 14 footer, either at the elbow or just inside the free throw line, whether it's a 
push shot or him actually taking the jump shot. It's looked pretty good. He also had five rebounds, which I, I know that's not like a super high number that, that sticks out, but that's one of the higher numbers he's had so far this season. So, you know, they're there too. He's a good passer, two assists in the game. And how about this? Uh, he started two of 13 on free throws this season. We had uh, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, on during Rock Chalk Sports Talk earlier this week. And he pointed out, and he mentioned it on the broadcast earlier this week against Eastern Illinois. If you remember last year, KJ st struggled to start the year from free throw shooting, and then he finished the year really well. I don't remember what the number finished at. It was around 60% on the season. But if you just go from after the two of 13 start, he was closer to 65, 70%. You know, like you look at conference only numbers, KJ was shooting well uh, from the free throw line. So this year he struggled to start. And this is what Brian pointed out. Also two for 13 from the free throw line, the exact number he was last year before he turned it around. I think he went two for three against Eastern Illinois. So that'll work. If you're KJ and you're shooting 65% from the free throw line, you take that. He went six of nine today. And uh, he hits the final two that that seal the deal. When you were up to, you needed him to at least hit one to make you feel like, okay, we can either foul or just hope, you know, we have insurance if they make a three. And then he hits both to seal the game. And uh, awesome. I, I know his mom's looking down on him. He's uh, going out to his funeral, her funeral tomorrow in Austin and uh, just really cool stuff. Really, really happy for him because he he's just, I don't know. He's just such a, a good kid. He tries so hard and, um, really like to see that happen to, to somebody like KJ. Uh, Kevin McCuller, 21 points, went six of 10 from the floor, three of four from three. As we talked about, that's big for his showcase. Also had five rebounds and he was having to exert a lot of energy on the defensive end, whether he was guarding, um, you know, Spencer kind of coming around ball screens or switching on Tristan Newton. Like he was having to exert a lot of energy on both ends of the floor and came up with seemingly the biggest shots of the game for you during that big run in the second half. He was excellent and he has been a steady, consistent force all season long. Uh, taking that Jalen Wilson, Ochag Baji type jump right now is what Kevin McCuller is doing. Hunter Dickinson. It's funny because um, I, I don't even know. I, I'd actually, I, I'm going to look this up, but Hunter Dickinson, from a statistic output, from just a like, okay, this is how many points he had. This is how many rebounds he had. This has got to be on the low end for him, right? He had 15 points and nine rebounds against Connecticut, six of 12 from the floor, so 50%. So the 15 points are his second lowest of the season. The only one lower was Marquette. The nine rebounds, he had eight rebounds in three games. So it's it's one away from being tied for his lowest of the year. So in theory, the statistical output is like, okay, you know, 15 to nine is still really good. But for Hunter Dickinson, it's like, oh, both those are below his averages. Well, he had four blocks in this game. He played 38 minutes. And part of this is the four blocks. He helped Donovan, holds Donovan Klingon, who is the possible lottery pick, big man for UConn, who's a national player of the year candidate too. He helped hold Klingon to eight points on three of eight shooting. Now, Klingon was in a bit of foul trouble throughout the game. Dickinson had four fouls, too, so he had to deal with a little bit of that. But Dickinson was excellent at helping prevent that. And UConn didn't have a big two-point shooting game. Like, UConn came in one of the top three teams in the country in two-point offense. Okay, they shot 42% from twos in this game. Now, part of that is, is the other guards or KJ or some of the other, but a lot of it is Hunter Dickinson being at the rim and being a presence. So credit to him because I thought he was really good in this game, even though the statistic output was far from, you know, the Kentucky game or the Tennessee game necessarily. Uh, contributions from El Marco Jackson and Johnny Furphy. I couldn't quite get there putting either one like on the list. Like El Marco had like six points and Johnny Furphy had a couple of big threes for you, but uh, neither one's stats like jumped off the page. Bill Self though said after the game that both played well. So we'll just take it from him, I guess. He knows more. Uh, he'll forget more about basketball than, than I'll know. That's for sure. 
Um, but they made some key plays when they needed to. Like the second three that Furphy hit was a, a very important shot. And, and moments before he had missed kind of a good look uh, from three, but he was able to get one back and, and knock it in. El Marco, that like you, you saw a little bit of the mid-range. I thought that was really good to see him hit that like mid-range jump shot because that was kind of an indication. I think he had two mid-range jump shots. Um, that he had a little confidence going for his shot, which you like to see there. Uh, but I thought he played hard. Defense. I mean, there was a lot of time that he was guarding Tristan Newton, which uh, we're going to get into the Tristan Newton stuff here. Like, yes, he went off. I don't think that was as much about Kansas messing up. Yes, there were a few times they left him too open. I think that was more about Tristan Newton just having a really good game and just going off and being a good player. Like, I don't think it was as much about like, oh, you know, you messed this up. You know, th there was like one three where I remember him being wide open, some of the foul stuff. But like, I don't know, it was kind of a good effort there. Um, and I love the turnaround. Yeah, like as freshman, you're going to make a mistake early in the season. And that was a bad mistake. It was the, the throw to KJ Adams when you're trying to preserve the lead. But to see the freshman not get in his own head and come back, and I forget who was driving for UConn. It might have been Diara. And he kind of strips it from behind, and it hits off his leg and goes out of bounds. That play was so critical for KU, and credit to Marco for that. Uh, the last good goat we have here is Jamari McDowell's celebration. Now, McDowell didn't get really in the game much, which bit of a surprise, that's for sure. Um, certainly, it seems like Furphy is uh, just going to be the first guy off the bench. I mean, the way this is going, like, this was a perfect game to show who built off trusts, right? Marco Jackson and, and Johnny Furphy are kind of guys right now. But that was an awesome celebration by Jamari McDowell. And uh, I, I still think Jamari is going to have some moments this season and going to have a bright future at KU. So um, I, I, I think this, you know, the next game like UMKC, you're going to go deeper on the bench. And, and moving forward, that'll probably be a case for the next month, uh, barring some close moments late in games, maybe if you're with that, with like Missouri, Yale, or Indiana or something like that. But, yeah, that was a fun celebration with him doing the, uh, I don't know, the – Hotspot, you have uh, lots of intestinal fortitude, I guess would be the way to put it. Our bad goats here, bench depth. Now, was this just more about Bill Self Was this, and what he wanted to do and go with the guys he trusted? Um, I think you did see tonight what it would probably look like in an NCAA tournament game. I think ideally in a tournament game, you're maybe seven deep, so maybe somebody else gets more. But normally – part of your rotation is having a backup center. Cause normally your center might like Doak was going 25 minutes a game. Dave was going 25 minutes a game with Hunter. He can go. We saw tonight, like 38 minutes a game. So maybe come March, this is what it looks like in the rotation, but um, Parker Brown, Jamari McDowell, Nick Timberlake combined for four minutes played in this game. So you didn't have a lot of bench depth in this one. Uh, the final two minutes of both halves of play were, were a little bit of uh, adventures. So, uh, Marco Jackson hits the mid-range jump shot with like 217 or two something and change in the first half. At that point, you're up 38-26. They finish on a 5-0 run to finish the half. So that wasn't ideal to get them kind of back into it. Then with two and a half left in the second half, you were up 63-57. And then Caravan hits a layup and then things get uh, a little, I, I guess they only outscored you by two over the final two and a half. But like, um you know, things got closer than that for certain moments and you almost let things get out of hand with, you know, some turnovers or missed free throws or, you know, not making stops here or there. So things got a little crazy there in the final couple minutes of both halves, but you found out uh, or you dug deep and, and figured out a way to win at the very end. Uh, the other bad goat here, you still need to force more turnovers and get more on the off or just on the, the glass in general. Uh, they out offensive rebounded you 10 to five. Like you'd like to see that get closer to even now they're a really good uh, rebounding team. So it's tough to do, but uh, KU has the personnel to be a good rebounding team. Uh, and, and again, you only forced like eight turnovers in this game. That's a number that I think KU has the personnel to be better at. 
Uh, and then the last one here, I don't even want to say defending Tristan Newton. So I'm not going to, because again, I thought he was just hitting tough shots and, and playing kind of above his, his shoot. I mean, he came in 32% for his career in like four or five years of college, 29% this year. So you don't bank on that happening from three. The one thing that I think you would like to not do is maybe foul uh, three three-point shooters in the same game. That's kind of a recipe for, for causing some issues for you. All right, that's our goats of the game. Let's finish up with what's next and a little KU volleyball here with Locked on Jayhawks. Finishing up with what's next for KU and a little KU volleyball. So uh, what's next for the basketball team? They're going to take on UMKC on Tuesday. That'll be a 7 o'clock game. Then they'll get Missouri on Saturday. So, you know, that one's different because Missouri's not as good of a team, obviously, as Kentucky. But the emotional level from the crowd, from, you know, you would hope the players certainly is going to get up there. I think it helps that you have Dewan Harris. I've, I've talked about this before. He's from Columbia. It probably helps set the tone. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of these core members are, are a couple of starters with KJ and, and Kevin were in that environment last year, which I think would help uh, going to Columbia and getting to experience that. So uh, having that in the ride. Rivalry. that'll be fun and then you're at indiana the following saturday but you should from here be able to go like they're they're favored to go five and oh the rest of the way in the non-con at the very worst like maybe you get sniped at indiana or something like that on a weird saturday morning maybe one game you get sniped in some way at worst you should go four and one in these next five but uh yeah five and oh is what you're going to be picked to do uh, from Vegas and Ken Palm and, and all those different sites. Now, I did want to do a quick ode to the KU volleyball team here. They lost in the second round to Penn State. It was a tough draw for them. A lot of people thought Penn State should have been one of the top four seeds and hosting on their own and would have been tough for KU. Um, it is unfortunate they lose in the second round. Doesn't take away unbelievably great season for them. Uh, they won, I think, 23, 24 games. They finished second in the Big 12. They had some unbelievable wins over the course of the regular season, whether it was sweeping Kansas State, whether it was winning at BYU, the only team – uh, to win at BYU in the regular season, um, you know, uh, just a lot of fun memories and moments, uh, Houston, UCF games, all that sort of stuff for the team. And it's a very talented team. They won a ton of awards. They're going to be back for more next year. They fought tooth and nail to the bitter end. They were up 11-9 in the fifth, just could not quite close it out against Penn State. But uh, future is very bright. I feel very bad for Reagan Cooper, who was unreal to finish out this match and this season for KU. She's grad transfer. She did win her first NCAA tournament game by then winning in the first round. So that's cool. She got to state she did that. Um, but it just sucks for her that she she graduates because she was so epic at the end of this year. I think they lose uh, three players to graduation. Uh, she's obviously, you know, one of them. They'll lose uh, one of the middle blockers, and, and then they'll lose one of their DSs. I guess you never know nowadays with the trades from Portland how all that stuff works. But um, everybody else can, like, come back. Like, Cameron Turner can come back, who was the Big 12 setter of the year. Caroline Bien can come back for senior season. I don't know how all this works with the COVID year, if they have two more years or one or whatever. Uh, but then they have the number one recruiting class coming in the Big 12, top five in the country. So KU Volleyball going to still be really good next year and i think next year they can maybe take another step up if they can uh you know get some progression from players the freshmen come in hitting hard and uh, maybe you add another transfer portal player too because it worked pretty well with some of the additions you had this past year but a uh, shout out to them because another unbelievable season for ray bouchard in the group uh just unfortunate ending but it always is whenever you uh don't win the title it's it's never gonna feel fun right all right that'll do it for this episode of locked on jayhawks you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts you can like and subscribe to us on our YouTube page. We'll be back later this weekend to talk about whatever bowl game the KU gets selected to. Then we'll get to a KU UMKC preview earlier next week. This has been Locked on Jayhawks.